0: Congo, don't be go do Okay, so welcome to uh, episode one. My name's David, and with me is
1: Darren. Hey, um,
0: So we're going to start with our our first little podcast together. Um, mm. We're going to work out the format. It will probably change over time, so we'll we we'll evolve at least over time. Very-
1: in progress
0: and that, yeah, exactly. And uh, the intention is very much that we will actually be accompanied by guests. But as this <laughs> is the first one, I think we'll uh, get it right first of all, and then or better down anyway, and then take yes. it from there. Absolutely. Um, so, look, Darren, you and I have known each other for a fair amount of time now,
1: quite a while. Yeah, I don't, how long? How long is it? Any ideas?
0: Uh, maybe. When the kids started drama together, or, yeah, or was it yeah, through the surely. shows
1: on yeah. the way back?
0: So that's that's at least twelve years, maybe maybe more. <laughs>
1: Fifteen. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, yeah. no, Paige and Jacob, Jacob. Yeah.
0: So that would probably take us. Yeah, I'm that proper. takes mm.
1: um
0: And we've been to some gigs, and I'm sure they come out in conversations uh, over time. We discuss those. I suppose absolutely. importantly, we're so there's a bit of an age gap, which is quite good because that means we've had different uh, music experiences. Um, yeah,
1: used some cracking bands uh, I never got around to seeing.
0: hey okay. uh, but then that yeah, helps yeah. a diversity. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Good. Um, so, f- from from uh, from your early days. Can you remember what the first music was that you heard?
1: Oh, first I heard. Wow. I can remember my first album. I can remember the first band I saw. But the first stuff I heard, I mean, my mum played a lot of kind of a little bit of Joni Mitchell and um, Mamas and the Papas, all that sort of thing. A lot of Beatles. She loved the Beatles, played a bit of that um never the stones she was a beatles beatles girl my <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's um and i remember kind of the really early 80s stuff when i was sat on my spectrum and i'd be playing like things like janet jackson would pop up and adam yance and yeah
0: so that was yeah, mid 80s then
1: yeah that's right yeah it would be yeah a little bit later on maybe it was a spectrum plus <laughs> don't know how about you same question to you
0: my, my first actual memory of hearing something, and I know I was under five because uh, this happened in a house that we moved out of by the time I was five, is we had my cousin who'd come over from France. And I can remember I was with the family in the garden. My cousin was uh, hanging outside of the, the, the bedroom or the bathroom window and he had his the radio plane, and he held the radio aloft and he said, this is my song. Or, this is my song, and he's playing um, the Beatles' "Michelle," and oh, that's yeah. coming through. Um, and I, and I, I can see the connection, especially that's a, that song that sort of transits from French into English, which is
1: lovely. Yeah, so "Michelle" so. and that
0: that's the one. Um, so I remember <laughs> that, um, and then then obviously music around the house. So my parents obviously were older than yours. My dad was very much of the jazz generation. He's someone who, um, I think he lost a lot of his teenage years because of the war living in in occupied France. He didn't even get to hear any music. But then he returned to Paris um, after they'd been liberated. And for him, he just got hit square in the face by Glenn Miller, jazz, all of that stuff. And I think for him, ever since then, jazz was his one big love. So I have yeah. plenty of influence for that, and you can totally understand that.
1: Um, yeah, I can get that. J- jazz is one genre I've never really explored enough. I was going to say not enjoyed, but I've not explored it enough to say I don't enjoy it. So maybe that's something we can look at.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's, there's been a fairly heavy documentary. I think it was on Sky, Sky Arts. 12 parts oh, yeah. on jazz, but it, it kind of spends a whole episode on a five-six year period, so it takes you all the way back to oh, yeah. the, to the beginning, and then through the sort of the different um, sort of subgenres that you have in there. Um, I haven't made my way through it, and it; it's fairly dense, but it gives you a very complete view um, mm. of, of what happens there. So that's it. And, and my mum's music taste—when well, we talk about that, that was, that was more Nana Mouskouri and Demis Roussos and. Those oh, kind wow. of things. So um, that, <laughs> so that, and there wasn't much in a way of pop as the way you're describing your 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 mother play. I and mean, that's great. Your mother playing Joni Mitchell and Mamas and Papa's.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: and yeah. Good stuff. What? So then you, you said what you did remember was your the first um, music or albums that you bought or
1: singles. They, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, album first album was. Prince Charming, the first album I bought with my own money. So I went down to um, Pitts in Exeter, Man. down underneath Pitts, was it? The Left Bank, was it Left Bank Shop, something like that? Um, very proud of buying Prince Charming with my own cash. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, and I played that album. Um, I've still got it actually, but played it till it was uh, very worn out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was the album, and that's got good memories for me. And I saw Adamant a couple of years ago, still doing the rounds. Get away. Oh, I think, or Bristol. Yeah.
0: Uh, were you into the two white flashes on, on your cheek?
1: Oh, yeah. I never actually did it. No, I went close on many <laughs> occasions. But, yeah. Maybe it's not too late. Maybe I can still do that. That's In good. fact, I did. But my wife's, was it? Must be her 30th. Going back a little bit now. And we had um, an eighties theme, and I did go as Adamant. Did so you? Uh. I've I done it, yeah. Brilliant,
0: brilliant. And what yeah. about your first single then?
1: Um, I don't really. I've never really remembered. Right. I've never really remembered. It would have been something from the same era. I'd like to say it was The Smiths, but it definitely wasn't. I just missed out on buying their stuff live. I never saw them live, and so it wasn't. I'm not sure of a single. The first gig is um, completely embarrassing, but yeah. I was only about eight or nine. In my defence, so mum and dad took me to a gig, and it was Musical Youth at the Great Hall in Exeter.
0: Yeah, hey, they were popular at the time, weren't they? they were several <laughs> weeks at number one.
1: Yeah, they were absolutely massive. Yeah,
0: past the duchy on the left side, at the left hand side. I'm sure you still even know the words, don't you?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, I never, never knew I don't know
0: I couldn't tell you if you're right or wrong.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I nagged my dad. I remember nagging my dad at the end of that gig to. um I wanted to meet them, uh, so we went round. We went round to the stage doors, and yeah, meet all of them. right? there's like twenty-seven of them or something. We went round to the stage door. And they actually, I don't know why to this day, how it happened, but they invited my dad in. What? My dad went in, with my, yeah. My dad went in backstage with my autograph book, and I still got the autographs of all of them Get signed. Out. And they, they gave me a little kiss and said, Come to Moat House Inn, which they were saying at the <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah. I don't know if they thought I was um, an 18 year old female girl or something. Uh, no. Or they really fancied my dad. <laughs> I never quite <laughs>
0: <laughs> you weren't sporting the beard in those days.
1: No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a good little story, yeah.
0: Brilliant. So I, I think for me, my, so my first, the first single I remember buying with my own money, um, there was the what the one I tried to forget, which was Two Little Boys by Rolf Harris. <clears throat> which,
1: Everyone needs which,
0: to forget that. Yeah. yeah. So we just, I remember then the, the next one that I do remember buying, and there might have been some in between. Simon Park, Eye Level, I think it was, but then David Bowie's Laughing Gnome.
1: Oh, oh, wow.
0: That's my gateway into uh, David Bowie. Yeah,
1: not your typical Bowie track either, is it, really?
0: No, I had actually heard some other stuff, um, maybe it was a little bit after that, I did hear some of the other stuff, but um, certainly Laughing Gnome, that was uh, was quite early days for him as well, on there. Yeah,
1: not sure what year that was, no. And then...
0: Yeah, I can't remember. I'll let you check that out if you want. Um, yeah. But then then the first, I can remember two cassettes I bought when I was actually on Scout Camp, and I can't remember where we were. I think we might have been in Cheltenham. In fact, it probably was Cheltenham now, I can remember. Um, and there the, the was pretty different. One was Abba, Waterloo. So can yeah. probably that was a year. So that was 1974 I bought that. And I also bought the Shaft soundtrack. So that's Isaac Hayes. I don't know if, if that means anything to you.
1: you no, know that one. I know that one, one of the coolest soundtracks ever produced. Oh,
0: I tell you. Um, even <laughs> on my on my crappy cassette recorder, that, that, that did the job. So I really loved that and, and played those to yeah. death. And then the first okay. final I remember buying, and I can't remember the last time I listened to this, was Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells.
1: Oh, right, yeah.
0: So I suppose oh. that was the first proggy type record uh, that I ever bought, but I didn't understand genres or anything. But um, we've been on holiday um, in Canada uh, with some family, and we actually got snowbound in, in, uh, in some family's house. And in this house, they had Quadraphonic. And I think it's the only time I really listened to Quadraphonic, and they had Mike Oldfield's tubular uh, Bells in Quadraphonic. And just to stand in the middle of the room, just to hearing that, um, yeah, just totally wow. amazing. That was great.
1: It's still that song still freaks me out a little bit because this links to was it Friday the 13th or Halloween or whatever it was in?
0: Oh, uh, the Exorcist.
1: Oh, the Exorcist. Of course it was. Yeah. yeah. And to me, it's. I guess I probably knew the Exorcist before any Tubular Bells. I think. So to me, that was just a really scary song from the Exorcist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's great. You got that association then. Whenever you hear that, I remember to play that
1: when you start playing up a bit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Um, 1967, The Laughing i Oh, get away, jeez. Yeah, yeah, 1967. Wow, I can't, I wasn't <laughs> even
0: born then, surely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you couldn't have the laughing. Um, Didn't chart, but it reached number six when it was re-released in 73. Oh, right. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, it t- yeah, it was. Um, and then my first gig was... Probably I can't remember the year exactly. It's probably seventy-seven or seventy-eight. It was uh, I used to have a job, a Saturday job, working a stacking stack shelves in a chain of supermarkets called International in those days, and that was some of the best times of, of my life. Uh, and had a really great crowd there, and I got a shout one day saying, "Dave, Dave." They actually drove up to the house and said, Dave, um, if you're free, we're off to a gig now. It's like, what? So they took me along and they took me to see Barclay James Harvest. And we were in something like the third or fourth row in Hammersmith Odeon, which uh, I subsequently ended up going 30 or 40 times, uh, all told. And that was just great. And I can still remember the opening opening track before they came on. And and the track, I don't play that often, called Berlin just amazing so it's one of those things it just cements i think the, the love of you of music
1: when you do uh, these things yeah yeah you uh, just made me think of something going off on a real tangent here we're talking about berlin as you know i was recently in berlin yeah we were talking about a song on the way there and actually for, one of my mates remembered it the other three didn't remember it at all but do you remember a band called the mobiles
0: I remember the band but I couldn't remember any of the songs that they've done
1: Uh, there's a song called Drowning in Berlin which actually is a really early single that I did buy that could have been one of the earliest yeah I think so and um, we played it and it brought it all back to everybody and they went oh I've forgotten this one (laughs) yeah there we go
0: yeah um, maybe for another episode we'll talk about any music that you found whilst you were there
1: yeah yeah that would be a good idea
0: we come on to that one. Um, mm-hmm. So I've done about for you, Darren, but for me, I certainly had some friends sort of through my life who were a really big influence on music that I heard, that I listened to. And I wondered if you had any that that really came to mind who were were, were the people introduced you to music that you were uh, didn't know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think. A lot of the kind of 80s was I was sort of young enough to just listen to what I listened to at home. So it was all kind oh. of i just pick up what was on the radio, on the charts with Bruno Brooks or whoever it might have been back then, sitting there recording onto my cassette tape on a Sunday afternoon. Um, so, but that was very much kind of I'd listen to things that I liked and I heard. And it wasn't till I well, I guess it was the very late 90s or early 90s when I started going out. Um, and having a few beers here and there, as you do, and I had a really good circle of friends, and I think that group of friends, um, we still talk now about the music we listened to then, and they really inspired the music that I loved, and it was all the kind of the Britpop era before that, the kind oh. of alternative. Um,
0: so you discovered it together, then a lot of that. yeah, very much so, yeah, very much so, and we'd be you
1: know swapping records around all the time, and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great days. Yeah, and we always still talk about those days.
0: oh that's important, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was very much inspired by uh, things like uh, the wedding present oh. and the verb and blur and pulp, all those kind of things. Some obscure ones. The Sultans of Ping. Do you remember the Sultans of Ping?
0: No, I don't. No, was, they uh, were they
1: a Britpop band. Um, yeah, I guess they come under that kind of Britpop rock type.
0: Okay, thing.
1: right. Yeah, but I saw them play. They um they had a one massive song called "Where's Me Jumper." Um, <laughs> and we actually introduced that to the to, to our <laughs> little club. To I think mean, it was Timepiece or Boxes in Exeter. Um, so we actually took in the record. and Said to the DJ, "Can you play this one?" Um, He played it once, he went out and bought it, and we had it every other night. (laughs) Um, And we literally threw our jumpers in the middle of the dance floor and just stacked around our jumpers.
0: (laughs) Wild boys.
1: Yeah, that was good memories. That was good memories. (laughs) Um, Went to the Lemon Grove a lot as well. And they used to have Tom York from Radiohead used to DJ there. Um, and we used to, because he was at Exeter University, right. so we used to go up quite a lot and ask him for a big band we loved at the time, we were a band called Catherine Wheel, and we used to go up and say, Can you play Black Metallic, play Black Metallic by Catherine Wheel, and he used to go, oh, booger off, he didn't say bugger off, he used <laughs> much words than that, um, but he said, I'm not playing up rubbish, um, so we generally said, oh, you bugger off yourself, and we left, quite a lot. <laughs> That's my little Tom York story.
0: <laughs> I think you'll find that he's um, upset a lot of fans over the years.
1: Yeah, I think he has, yeah. I am still a fan of Radiohead as well, though, to be fair. That was another band I got into, and I know a lot of people aren't too keen on what they're doing now over the last few <laughs> albums, or the last ten albums. Yeah. Well, I'm still a bit of a fan when I'm in the right mood.
0: Would you like his solo material? Because I'm not sure they're together very much these days, but...
1: Yeah, you know, to be fair, I do. I mean, he's done a couple of soundtracks, hasn't he, lately, which have been a bit pretty obscure, some obscure movies and sort of B-movie remakes, I think. But, yeah, I mean, (coughs) yeah, not bad at all. Pretty eerie, but I've got to be in the right mood.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, it definitely is that kind of music Mm. to enjoy on there.
1: Well, I kind of disagree with my friends there, really, because a lot of them don't get Radiohead and don't get Tom York, but I do quite enjoy it.
0: Good for you. You've got to stand for it. Um, I mm-hmm. there are certainly several albums which I really, really do do enjoy. I wasn't originally. I, I didn't no. get it like a lot of people, but I think it does require listening uh, and and getting familiar with it, and then this starts locking yeah. down. And now if I put yeah. "Okay, Computer," just yeah, that's just
1: exactly. great. That just "Okay, Computer" yeah. and the bends, uh, real classics. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. And then went a bit mad with Kid A, and then just changed their direction, but but still good.
0: Yeah, that's good. So for me, I've got to give a shout out really for for a guy who I knew when I was sixteen. We were lucky; both our parents worked for airlines. So I don't know why we came up with this plan, but when we were when we'd taken our O levels, that's GTSE for the kids.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was first year at GCSEs. I
0: know where uh, you come from. <laughs> they, um, uh, we, we decided that we would go for, on, on a long trip after our exams and uh, we went over to to Vancouver. Stopped with his mm. relatives and we stayed there for three weeks. Uh, my dad chaperoned us over there, left us with his relatives and we had just a, a brilliant time there. But this, this guy, Paul, he introduced me to to music I hadn't heard before and the, the the one that really lodged with me was Genesis trick of the tail uh, yeah so so for me that was a very much a, a gateway album into the Genesis world up until then I'd only really heard what was on the radio um, I didn't really have many friends who listened to music so suddenly to do that and then start investigating other music and then in fact whilst we were in Canada um, the the his aunt and uncle who were staying with they had older boys who didn't live home anymore but they had left lots of music in the house uh, albums mm-hmm. so that was great discovery and sort of came away with a whole list of bands that, that learned to uh learned about and and cherished ever since so that was when i was 16 and then after that summer i started the job working at the supermarket that i would mentioned before and there i fell in with a slightly older crowd so there are a couple of guys and um, they were two years ahead of me. And they just had these great record collections. And one of them, Rob, he used to have um, at the back of the, the back of the driveway, what would have been a, an old stables in the old days? Um, yeah. But upstairs it had all been uh, like an upstairs part to the stables, the garage, um, which had been carpeted through. Um, and up there, he had his music. You could comfortably sit, lounge, 12, 14 people up there with the oil wool spinning, playing music, playing or recording music up there. So that was just the best of times. And between him and another guy, Cliff, who actually lived down the road from me, Cliff Douse, um, they just introduced me to this world of Frank Zappa and um, all of the bands you can imagine. So in, in those days, we would have called a lot called a lot of them jazz rock. And there were rock bands, and I was. And when I heard the first time, the likes of Aerosmith and um, well, so many bands that are just all rushing through my head at the moment. Yeah. And whenever I went round to either Rob or to uh, to Cliff's house, I'd always go back home with a little stack of LPs under my arms. Sometimes, sometimes I'd borrow an instrument, see if I could play the instrument. So I, I definitely tried a bass guitar, a lead guitar, a synth, I tried all these things. None of them worked. I could never apply themselves. But, no. <laughs> but interestingly, I got a call a couple of weeks ago from um, from Cliff, who I've been in touch with on and off over the years. And okay. he he was calling me to say, Oh, Dave, I, I just wanted to check what your address was. And he would found me on LinkedIn got the number and, and, and gave me a, a buzz. And we'll, we'll maybe get him on here at some time. I'd like to if we can. He's been involved yeah. in music on and off now for the better part of 25, 30 years. Okay. And he's just released an album recently.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, wow. so he's
0: released this album and he wanted to call me, just let me know that he'd given, some, given me um, a thank you in there.
1: Excellent.
0: Because of the time we'd spent, the encouragement, I'd given him, um, apparently I'd lent, I'd given him a, a Jean-Luc Ponty album. don't know if you've ever heard yeah. of Jean-Luc Ponty. He's, not a single idea. No. Not a single idea. <laughs> um, very much a a, a violin a virtuoso. He's, he's great, but he plays, he would have been classically trained, but played on a huge number of bands, um, the likes of, of Frank Zappa, but he played also or released a lot of his own material, which are just great. So one time, I'll I play that to you so you can hear it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Excellent. So what sort
0: of style music is he releasing on Cliff? So I'm showing Darren because we're social distancing or safe distancing here. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah, don't, know if, you can, don't know
0: if you can see this album.
1: Yeah, I can see the here. top. All right. Yeah. Oh, F tails. Cool. Yeah.
0: So, so he um he's released it under the name of Drin, which is uh, uh and it's Drin. he can do lots yeah. of stuff as a guitarist. He was a great guitarist. Um, mm. but this is very much uh, music he's put together. Which uh, he, he hopes might be used for soundtracks. Excellent. Um, and if I have a look in the little section there where he says, uh, thanks also to everyone who has helped me with various different projects in the past, including, I'm just going to mention the first two because I recognize those Pete Townsend.
1: Oh, nice. And yeah. Mark King. Wow, impressive. And then David Turner.
0: And then, well, yeah. <laughs> To be fair, I'm just grateful to be on, on the list. So so that's great. Absolutely, yeah. Like and yeah.
1: there were p Townsend.
0: Yeah, so um, <laughs> that, that's a good one.
1: Oh, that's listen to that. Superb.
0: Um, we're talking about gigs earlier on. Have you got any... I'm not going to necessarily ask what your favourite gig is, because that's a question that kicks around, but are there any memorable gigs?
1: Cause... Yeah, there are, really. And one of them's quite a surprising one, I think. Go but... on considering the kind of music I'm into, but I was thinking a minute ago when we were talking about um, like my friends and music and what did they get me into or what were we into, one of the best gigs I've ever seen was certainly um, only a small venue at the Lemon Grove in Exeter and it was the early days of Blur when Damon Albarn was an absolute nutter. Um, I remember him about halfway through the gig very drunk, spinning around in as many circles as you could, and being sick all over the stage, and then just carrying on again. <laughs> but the energy they had in their early days was phenomenal. And I think in such a small, close-knit venue, such as the Lemon Grove, there's a few hundred people, I think. Uh, that was just an amazing gig to be at. Um, and the Curveball, really, and no, I mean, I've had so many gigs that I've loved, and I always say, oh, it's got to be one of my favourite gigs ever. But I remember seeing, um, talking about Aerosmith a minute ago, back in, oh, when was it? It must have been mid to late 90s, because Aerosmith, Steve Tyler, what a fantastic front man for a start. They had so much energy and enthusiasm. The first time I'd seen them, and I wasn't really sure I wanted to go, but a friend of mine talked me into it. A friend of mine that's into into, his rock stuff, really, and normally a lot heavier. But they were brilliant. But the weird thing was they had um, Shed Seven supporting them. So if you remember Shed Seven,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: He's um, indie band, pop era band, um, and they—I I was a big Shed Seven fan, but they got booed off stage pretty much, which was, <laughs> was disappointing. But a very odd support slot for a band. <laughs> of um, wow. But yeah, but I enjoyed Shed Seven and then Aerosmith, which just blew the. I think it was the Birmingham NEC, and they blew the entire place away. It was fantastic. So that's a couple
0: of my highlights, but how about you, Gigwise? Yeah, there, there's, there's certainly um, uh, one which I never stopped really. I can't. Remember, I was going to say I never stop thinking about whenever I think about you know gigs that made a big impression on me. Um, certainly, this one was uh, actually a, a benefit gig. Um, it was a Anti Cruise Missile Charity, which oh, yeah. was held. Like, to be fair, I think a lot of people weren't there. They didn't really care about the the charity, but it was um, curated by the, the the lady who was leading it as a, a, an actor by the name of Susanna York. Um, oh, it yeah. was anti-Cruise missile charity. Well, so this took place in uh, in December in 1983, and I went with a very good friend of mine, Martin Cook. Still, still good friends with him today. And if I tell you who was in in the lineup, I'm just looking at some of the names. You you may recognise some of them. Uh, so there was there was Hazel O'Connor. Yeah. Uh, Mari Wilson. All oh, right. Yeah. Elvis Costello. Um, wow. Steve Neve. Not um, Ian in the blank uh, and and sorry. it. Oh, was well, part of so Chaz Jankel from them. Um, you had Hi. Paul Weller with Star Council. Yeah, um, nice. And even he even did a, a song at the end there with uh, Elvis Costello. And then yeah. penultimate band was The Alarm, which is great. Now, wow. when yeah. when The Alarm were on, so with Martin, we were in the stalls we were, and we were in the back row. And all of a sudden, I look around and there standing behind us are a couple of people who I kind of recognised. I'm thinking... Who's that? Who's that? And so I suppose sometimes you expect band members to be um, watching from the wings anything, that, uh, <laughs> what, what's going on on the main stage. But it was mm. only a couple of lads by the name of Larry Mullen and Adam Clayton, and they're right oh. behind us.
1: Um, do I'm so jealous. I want to meet you two.
0: <laughs> yeah, so so they headline, but um, before that, the. Uh, they were there enjoying the, uh, the alarm, just soaking it in. My friend Martin, so Cookie, was talking to them, um, trying to find out if they're going to come to the next um, Greenbelt. So as a charity, uh, sorry, as a, a Christian festival that took place every year. And they were just the, the, the greatest guys. They are really lovely on there. And they were just there for the music and enjoyed it. And then they came on themselves and uh, they had... Um, they had uh, Mike Peters join them for New Year's Day, I think. Oh, no, knocking on Heaven's Door at the end, which yeah. which just great. Um, so, you know, something like that, that. You know, those memories last on for a long time.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, superb. Wow. I was weirdly I was talking, we talked about Genesis, and it made me remember something. Um, I was chatting to my uncle the other day. We were talking about music, and I said, oh, I said, I'd love to have seen that sort of. Um, even though I'm not a fan, to see Elton John live, and he turned around to me and said, "You have seen Elton John live?" and I went, oh, "What?" Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and I said, it- I said, what And he said, "Do you remember I took you to Nebworth in 1990?" And I said, "Yeah, I remember that well because I remembered I'd like Tears for Fears at the time and they were." <laughs> and he said, "Elton John played." I went, "Wow!" And it was just one of those. I think I was 18 then. And right. It was one of these things. It just it went over my head because I didn't really care who Elton John was, didn't care for his music. <laughs> and, You're probably. And, uh, but that was a really good gig. They had Pink Floyd play, so I think not quite the full Floyd, Pink Floyd lineup. Oh yeah, not quite the full lineup. I don't think they had. I don't know who was it? Maybe Roger Waters wasn't with them then. Oh Rush. yeah,
0: sounds about right. But,
1: yeah, but yeah, um, Genesis were there. Paul McCartney was there. Dire Straits, Status Quo. It was a really good lineup, And when I look at Robert Platt, <coughs> I'm back on it now. I wish I could be there again.
0: Oh, look, I'm it, sure that was, that was good. good, yeah. It was,
1: it was great to go there, and I enjoyed it, but it, it's the wrong time of my life. I'd appreciate that gig so much more now than I did when I was 18. I'd love to see Floyd now, but I didn't know them then, really.
0: You are probably too deep into the cider by then, anyway.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. So... Oh, that was another one
0: a good gig to be at but I just really went for two theaters I think because
1: I enjoyed them oh that's good enough reason yeah absolutely yeah
0: 1990 great yeah. yeah
1: 1990 Genesis back I not know is that right say again are
0: Genesis back are they reforming um, no well they they're going to do they're calling it the domino tour so one okay. one last tour which I think will work well for well, a lot of people obviously very excited about it um, yeah and it's got one of um, Phil Collins's sons um, playing drums. Because, you know, Phil, oh. tri- Phil Collins can't play drums anymore because oh. um, carrying too many injuries um, from yes, playing of so, the uh, years.
1: But, well, isn't he? Not a well made.
0: I Can't stop him, though. No. Can't stop him. No. So anyway, no. I so was reading his uh, autobiography last year um, or the year before. I didn't realize that he grew up in about 10 miles away from me. Oh, really? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, was yeah.
0: that in France? No, no, no. So uh, I, I grew up on the outskirts of London and yeah. um, on, oh, not too far from Heathrow, and I was on, on one side, and he was on the other side, a little bit closer to London. So okay. um, he used to. As a kid, he always was playing drums, wasn't he, from an early age. And then he'd be n- nipping onto the underground, which didn't come out as far as us. And he would be going up to, to London and going to the marquee and listening to all of the bands uh, and then making it home on the the last tube of the night.
1: <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. <But> I, think,
0: <laughs> I think we're getting close to the end of um, episode one.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, it's flying. It
0: has. It's, it has been. Yeah. I
1: enjoy it. natural about music's always good.
0: It is, isn't it, Just? Yeah, um, Darren, thank you. Um, what I think we'll do is, we'll um, when we come back together for the next episode, we'll um, have a guest join us. sounds
1: good.
0: Um, and any I'm any just, ideas? I'm just going to say there's a Hollywood connection there.
1: Oh.
0: But George. Um, George. <laughs> I don't want to offend my friend Mark, but you may be disappointed. brilliant brilliant okay um so until the next time um catch up with you soon and uh let's be careful out there
1: yeah thank you cheers
0: cheers